Blog Talk Radio.
Ken, I can hear you, but not on the phone. I'm here. I am here. I'm here, Ken. Yes, I am. having trouble hey I, I i i hear myself on the headphones there's an echo but i am i think i'm in uh let's let's see let's see i'm gonna try and all right let's uh go out to the phones and see uh let's try this one more time mr trivia are you there mr trivia are you there yeah are you there Yes, I'm here. All right. Well, look at that. I think there's, there might be a little bit of delay, but because uh, I'm hearing a delay in my headphones. But, uh, but I'm here. at least we got you. All right. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna put you on hold. I'm gonna try and get Dave on the line. Dave's back on there. And my co-host, Dave, are you there? Yes, I am here. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I. It's. It's kind of surreal right now because I, I'm getting an echo in my headphones, so I'm saying something, and like a half second later, I'm hearing it in my ear. But you're there, and you hear me. Yes, I can hear you. I finally made it to 1640 Ironbound Radio. <laughs> well, welcome aboard. It's an adventure. So, ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned in to the full Ken Reedy show, and uh, you know what? Dave. Since last week we had some issues, and obviously we had some issues this week, why don't you give our, our listeners and everything, uh, those people who may be new uh, through Ironbounds, give them a little bit of your history, because this is the best in pro wrestling talk. Why don't you let them know what you're all about, Dave? Well, thank you very much, Ken. To everyone out there listening on 1640, my name is Diamond Dave Rosenbluth, and I am one of the biggest wrestling fans in in, in I, I can't even begin to describe it. And I've been watching wrestling since I was three years old. I grew up on Hulk Hogan and the WWF, and I've watched all kinds of wrestling from the NWA to WCW to the AWA. It's basically been, you know, ingrained in my life, um, so to speak. So um, I went to uh, fast-forwarding a little bit. I went to school for uh, radio at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting in Farmington, Connecticut, and uh, – 
you know, got my degree in communications, and uh, Ken and I had uh, met a prior, I'd probably say three years ago, and I found out Ken, you know, got a degree at Connecticut School of Broadcasting as well, and just last year we we uh, we became tag team partners on the on the internet radio, and now we're here on 1640 Ironbound Radio, and I'm ready to give everybody the best in pro wrestling talk. My analyst, my my, my analysis, excuse me, I'm, I'm kind of fumbling over my words here because I can't actually believe I'm on 1640 AM radio <laughs> this week. Because last week I wasn't, but I guess it's better late than never that Diamond Dave has arrived. So I hope I can entertain you all and give you the best in pro wrestling talk each and every week, each and every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. here on 1640 Iron Bound Radio. And let's get this show on the road. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty excited because we have uh, tonight special guests, and he should be calling in shortly. We have Frankie Kazarian uh, from TNA will be calling in. Lots of stuff going on with TNA, and uh, I know it's WrestleMania season, but we're going to go a little TNA tonight, because i got to tell you, Dave, you know, after the pay-per-view this past Sunday, and and it's it's interesting, because with the WWE, when they do a pay-per-view, you get that instant gratification on Monday to see what's going to happen. When TNA ended, I really found myself like, I can't wait till Thursday, which is what a company wants to do, especially when they're going on the road. We'll get into with Kaz, you know, his match and everything. But the big story coming out of that is the reuniting of the Dudleys and Bully Ray winds up being the leader of Aces and Eights. Uh, I mean, I can't say it was a shocking ending. I think a lot of people thought that Bully Ray would would be the leader or at least involved in Ace and Eights. But I got to say, even the the way they did it, knowing that it was probably coming, I thought it was a tremendous ending to the pay-per-view, Dave. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought it was great. I mean, the match itself was good. And, uh, you know, when you knew the Aces and Eights came out, you knew something was up. You know, a lot of I, – I, I do agree with your with your analysis on the fact that you know, it was a predictable way to turn him. A lot of people have speculated that Bully Ray was the president of the Aces and Eights for quite a while. And, you know, Bully Ray will have to explain all that on Thursday or in the coming weeks as to how this became about because you saw on television and for months that he was getting attacked by the Aces and Eights. So there's got to be a good explanation for that, but we'll, we'll hear that later on, you know, down the line. But the way I feel about it is, and I look at it like this, Ken, as you know, myself, we're both sons of Anarchy fans, a television show that's on FX. And there are probably some listeners out there that are listening right now that are big fans of the show. And that's what the Aces and Eights storyline is kind of a takeoff of, of the, is the hit television show about the motorcycle gang. Well, in season five, there was everybody thought that Pope, the, the, the guy named uh, Damon Pope was going to get killed at the end for all the things that he had done prior in the, in, in, in the earlier episodes in the season. Well, when you got to that end, when he finally got his, everybody was just, you know, jumping for joy, at least all the results that I saw online. So I kind of compare it to that and say, you know what, even though you knew it was coming, it was still good. The delivery was still good. You know? I thought it was yeah. tremendous. You know, Dave, not to interrupt you, but we actually do have Mr. Kazarian on the line, so I want to get – Right out to him. So hold that thought, and we're going to go right out to Frankie Kazarian. Fingers crossed on the phones. Uh, Mr. Kazarian, are you there? Yes, Mr. Kazarian is my father. Frankie's just fine. All right, how are you doing? Thanks, thank you so much for uh, giving us some time tonight. Uh, 
First off, uh, Ken Reedy and uh, Dave Rosenbluth here. Um, great pay-per-view the other night. First off, uh, how you doing? You okay? Any bumps and bruises coming out of the other night? Uh, not not too shabby. A little uh, bang my knee a little bit, but I'm fine. Just part of the job. I can help it over here. A little uh, sons of anarchy conversation as I was waiting to uh, join you guys. So cool. You're, you're a sons of anarchy well, fan. Huge, huge fan. Yeah, I actually did a motorcycle rally with the guys with all the cast last summer. TNA put a little bit of it on their website. But yeah, big big motorcycle fan, big fan of the show. So couldn't help but uh, but uh, drop on that. That's that's awesome. Very cool. You know, I. Uh, Change the line of questioning a little bit. Uh, since we're, we were talking about the Ace and Eight storyline, and you've kind of been, uh, you know, not really engrossed so much in that storyline. Since you are a fan of the motorcycle community and, and uh, Sons of Anarchy, how do you think the storyline has been progressing? Do you like it? Um, uh, it's it's difficult. It's I, I like the fact that it's different. I like the fact that it's a. Uh, I mean, you know, there's there's been stories of. You know, bands of outlaws and factions trying to basically overtake wrestling companies in the past. This one had a little twist, whereas you added the motorcycle game, which is something that's very relevant, you know, with you know pop culture and with Sons of Anarchy being wildly popular. Um, so I like the fact that it's a little bit different. And you know, instead of just you know wrestler A, wrestler B, it was prospects and VPs and you know sergeant of arms. You know, that's at least a little a little cool. And you know, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. You know, I think back and it's like, wow, this started after anniversary last year um so it's got a lot of time to develop you know having said that i'm i'm happy watching from afar and doing my own thing and i'm kind of busy being uh one half of the best tag team wrestlers on planet earth so there's that yeah and, and you know a tremendous match this past week just out of curiosity you know the the big story going into the pay-per-view one of the big stories was uh bobby Roode's contract status going into your match uh do you guys have contingency plans going in? Did you know beyond a shadow of a doubt he was going to resign? I mean, what was the, the mindset in the locker room going into that match? Uh, no clue. Um, honestly, the whole weekend, didn't see him. Uh, had asked a couple people that might know, and they kind of threw their hands up and did a few shoulder shrugs. Um, and uh, nobody really knew. And, um, you know, didn't know until that day. Uh, literally, uh, later in that afternoon, saw him come mosey in and like, well, I guess Bobby's here. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's always, you know, the show must go on. There's always a fallback plan, um, as with any type of entertainment. But, uh, you know, luckily for the, I think for the betterment of the product and the betterment of the match and luckily for the fans, you showed up and, you know, we were able to have a great match. Unfortunately, they got the win. But regardless, we had a great match for, uh, you know, our biggest, uh, our biggest live date we've ever had in the U.S. So, that was good. It was definitely tremendous. Uh, and give us an idea, you know, coming out of the impact zone and, and being in front of such a, a large crowd and, you know, the weekend of, of events. Uh, what was it like for you performing in front of such a big crowd in, in the States? It, it was spectacular. It was really cool. Uh, Texas is, you know, it's uh, synonymous with professional wrestling. And this was our first time in the San Antonio market. And as with any of our big pay-per-views, we had a lot of uh, festivities. So, you know, we did a lot of meet and greets. We did a fan fest Saturday. We did a live spin cycle Saturday. And, you know, there's a cool vibe in San Antonio uh, the whole weekend. And then, you know, going out there and performing in front of our biggest crowd, it's something that I, as a TNA original, and one of the guys who's been here for a very long time, you know, I always feel a little bit of, a little bit of pride when we have these special marquee moments for TNA because we are still such a young company and still growing. So 
these moments are extra special for guys like us because uh, we're growing with the company. And it was really cool. You know, uh, it makes you proud to be, uh, you know, member of the TNA roster, a TNA original, and just proud. Just a good day to be a pro wrestler in general. Uh, it's awesome. I'd like to take it back a little bit if we can uh, early, you know, with your career when you were starting off and actually later on in your career because you, you had the opportunity to train with uh, Killer Kowalski. Years later, you had an opportunity to work with Ric Flair, uh, two absolute legends in the business. What are some of the lessons you, you took from, from both of those guys? Well, you know, Killer Kowalski gave me every every single possible tool needed to succeed in this business, and I always give him 100% of the credit for me being where I am today. Without him, I'd be nowhere. Uh, he was such a very knowledgeable guy about the business and had such a, you know, he had such an old school method of teaching and training. And he always told me, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. And just really, really stressed the fundamentals of pro wrestling. And, you know, it's, you can learn all the fancy moves you want, but at the end of the day, it all comes back to fundamentals and, and he really, really grinded that into us, and he was a very, very dear friend, and I miss him, and I love him. Uh, Ric Flair, kind of on the polar opposite end of that, is Ric Flair, as we all know. And, you know, it's, yeah, I just, you know, he's he's a noun, he's a verb, he's everything. You know, working with him, I learned a lot of the, the showman aspect of it. You know, it's, there's no better showman in the industry than Ric Flair. So, you know, just being with him, just being involved in Fortune and walking to the ring and having, you know, the catches with him and against him, that's going to rub off and you're going to catch some of that. And, you know, it's just very cool as a fan being in there and as a wrestler now doing stuff with the flair, you know, I learned a lot of the, uh, just go out there and, and, and feel what the people are giving you and just entertain and just be yourself and just, you know, just let it ride. It was, it was cool to actually witness that up close and personal. And, uh, so yeah, it was, you know, I learned a lot of very different, very opposite things from two guys that are, um, what I consider absolutely legend in this business. I was I'm very blessed to have done that. Frankie, uh, you mentioned earlier that you, you know, as a, as a TNA original, you took a lot of pride in the fact that you, you know, performed in the San Antonio market in front of the largest gate in the company's history. Um, early on in the TNA, early on in the TNA, they performed. You guys performed in the Nashville Fairgrounds in a, in a smaller environment, and you were a big part of the early days of the X Division, which seemed to have been more of the focal point of TNA wrestling. Not so much now. Um, can you take me back to the very first Ultimate X with uh, Michael Shane and Chris Sabin, and what were your thoughts going into a match that was never seen ever, I, I can imagine, in the uh, in the American market for wrestling? Uh, certainly. Um, it was, uh, yeah, you know, TNA was kind of built on the foundation of TNA. I think the cement was laid with those of us who were the ex-division wrestlers at the time. You know, without, you know, I can't, say that without mentioning Jerry Lynn, Low Key, Amazing Red, Chris Daniels, AJ Styles, you know, all those guys. But yeah, and the first Ultimate X was, uh, we were told about the concept the week before when they announced it on television, and I remember originally seeing, like, a sketch of it um, the week before. Somebody, I think it was Don Callis at the time, uh, had a sketch of what the concept, the design was going to look like, and it was actually chained. It was, it was posts coming out of the out of the ring posts, it was steel posts with chains where the Ultimate X tables are, as you know them now. And same concept, you're supposed to climb. And I was like, okay, that's going to be different. So the next week came, and they actually flew us all in a day early to, you know, just 
see how we feel and see what put this structure up and uh, see how we react and see what it's going to be like, you know, because like you said, it had never been done. And it was the first concept match in I don't know how long in pro wrestling that was brand new. You know, it's not a cage, it wasn't a scaffold, it was complete opposite. Anyways, the day before, they get the final Ultimate X set up, what they think is the final, and they say, okay, give it a shot, someone. So I go, stupid theory. I go, okay, I'll try it. And it was just, this time, it was just tables. They nixed the chain. It was just tables coming out of steel posts that were coming out of the ring posts. Uh, so I went up, grabbed the cable, and started to climb and um, shimmy towards the center of the ring. And as I did, all four of the metal posts in the corners bent in, and I slowly, and you just kind of heard it, you kind of hear like a, and all of a sudden I'm standing in the middle of the ring, still holding the cable, looking at four bent posts. And uh, this is literally, this is probably like 8 or 9 o'clock at night, the night before. So as I do that, I'm looking around at all the carpenters and the people that help build, and they're just literally scratching their heads like, "Uh uh-oh. So uh, the next day, you know, we, we stayed for a couple more hours. The next day, we get to the building, and they're still scrambling. to. They have no idea how they're going to do this. And, you know, us, you know, Chris Steven and Michael Sr. were like, well, God, we'd like to maybe just get a feel for it because this is very dangerous. Literally, doors opened, and they said, okay, we got it to work, but that's it. So we all went into that match completely blind, just, you know, basically living on a prayer, saying, well, okay, Let's hope this works, you know, because that's when they decided to use the uh, truss setup and the cables, and you know, the rest is history. You know, the first match happened, and uh, and uh, it came off. You know, the belt drops a couple times, but other than that, you know, everyone lived to fight another day. But it was it was definitely definitely memorable, and you know, thank God they perfected the structure by now. But uh, it, wow. was, it was a trip. Yeah, it really oh. was. Um, you know, moving moving on from the Nashville Fairgrounds, eventually TNA had made their way into uh, Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, um, which you guys are, in fact, leaving to go on the road and tape Impact starting this week. Um, it's You know, I wanted to ask you personally maybe some, some memories of if there were any, like, storylines or certain matches that you and, like, other members of the roster that you were particularly working with felt that you really thought it was going to go over real well, but the audience in Orlando, which seemed to have been the same audience every single week that you guys performed there, they seemed to have been spoiled to have you guys there, and their reactions just it, – it's hard to – I hate to quote the phrase, but, you know, because I'm not in the business, but pop the crowd, so to speak. Yeah. Were there any instances where, you, where you're where you out in the ring and, you know, maybe beforehand you thought that you guys were going to, you know, get one over on the audience, you're really going to pop the crowd, but for whatever reason, their reaction was just completely different? Uh, there, there's several. There's I, I don't know if I necessarily ever remember a specific, uh, you know, moment of thinking, wow, this is going to be great, they're going to love it, and then, you know, pooping all over it. But there were times where it was just, you know, like to where us in the back would be watching a couple guys just tearing the house down, having a great match, and the crowd just sitting on their hands. And, you know, we're in the back just getting frustrated. Like, come on, you people are witnessing a great match, you know, and it frustrates us. And that happened a lot, you know. But uh, having said that, there was also, uh, you know, there's also very, very fond memories. I mean, there's very memorable matches. You look at the Unbreakable 2005 three-way with those guys. And for me personally, you know, our first ever pay-per-view there, Victory Road in 2004, I was the first guy at, at the gate. We did a X Division gauntlet. I had a lot of, I had a really, uh, one of my 
uh, best matches, in my opinion, against Christian Cage in the ladder match and Kurt Angle and so many very, very good memories performing in front of the crowd. And early on, I will say early on, that crowd was great. The first, I want to say, a couple of years, they were, you know, it was just there was an electricity in there. But, you know, it's just uh, it's just uh, oversaturated maybe with, with the product after a while. They, get, they do, people have a tendency to get spoiled. We as human beings get spoiled. And, uh, you know, sometimes maybe they didn't realize that they got to see, you know, some classic wrestling matches right in front of their very eyes, you know, week after week after week. Absolutely, absolutely. One final question for me. Um, you, in 2005, have left TNA, and you made your way to the WWE. Um, can you take us through your thoughts and what kind of plans there were possibly going to be with you in the WWE, and what led um, to your career eventually? I, I was, uh, for two months, I had been working without a contract uh, in TNA at that time. I'd be known to anyone in TNA, and uh, I'd gotten a call. And that, I remember literally hearing that at the time, WWE wasn't interested in anybody like under six foot and, and under like 230 pounds or something. And I'm at the time probably was six foot, maybe like 210. And so I went, okay, all right, you know, that's fine. And then literally getting a call the next day uh, saying, Hey, we're going to revamp our cruiserweight division. We'd like to bring you in. We understand you don't have a contract. Okay. You know, I figured now was my time to go. I was, you know, just uh, not necessarily treading water in TNA, but I was working without a contract and, Hey, they're going to do something with the cruiserweight divisions. Cool. So, you know, signed the contract. Didn't really do anything other than sit at home for the first several months. And went up there and just figured out it was something that I, at the time, from a maturity level, just wasn't ready for. Uh, you know, and I take full responsibility for that. Uh, just, uh, I don't think professionally or personally I was ready for that machine, that environment yet. Uh but uh, having said that, I don't regret going, and uh, everything I do is a learning process, and I'm very, very happy with where I am right now in my career. You know, and speaking of where you are and where, where TNA is uh, right now, I mean, exciting time in the, this week on, on Spike yeah. TV at 8 o'clock, uh, TNA on the road in Chicago. A lot of change in TNA going on the road with Impact, uh, the new pay-per-view schedule, uh, what's the morale like in the locker room? Are people excited about all all the changes? Is there a nervous energy? What are things like uh, in the company right now? Yeah, I mean everyone's everyone's really psyched and really happy about um, a being on the road and b the the pay per view schedule being what it is only for a year, which you know adds a lot more importance to each one of those pay per views. And you know being on the road is just another part of the progression of uh, of what we wanted. You know we wanted. You know, originally we wanted TV, we wanted primetime TV, then we wanted, you know, then we wanted to do live TV, and then we wanted live on the road. So it's all, you know, these are all baby steps towards, you know, uh, greater goals. Uh, being on the road is going to be great, and I can't think of anywhere better to kick it off than Chicago because it's such a such a great wrestling uh, city, um, and uh, and everybody's really thrilled. And, you know, I think... Everyone was just kind of at that point where we were ready to get out of the impact zone. Uh, you know, it served as our home for nine years, but it's time to leave the nest and it's time to take our show on the road. And there's a lot of people that, you know, have only got to see what we do uh, via television or the occasional live event, but we've never been able to bring TV to their town. So everybody from, I think, production to uh, talent to management, everybody's really excited and, and just ready to, to get this started. 
And then I think most wrestling fans, we're all excited to to see this happen, to see the company grow, to see wrestling out live. Uh, and, and, you know, if you live in different cities, to have a chance to see TNA live. Um, I, I got to ask you, you know, you guys, I mean, you and Bad Influence, uh, you and Christopher Daniels, you really created an incredible, and, and honestly, in, in, the, in the industry right now, some would say, you know, a downtime for tag team wrestling. Um, you're, I mean, in this humble man's opinion, you are must-see TV, whether you're cutting a promo or in the ring, uh, you know, whether I'm on my smartphone checking Facebook or doing something, I stop when Bad Influence is, is on the screen. Where do you guys come up with this? I mean, between like the wearing the kilts and doing the the Braveheart thing, and and Christopher Daniels with the Apple Teeny now. Uh, I mean, is this something you guys improv? Do you sit and and you know rehash and come up with different? I mean, where do these ideas come from for you guys? Well, first of all, I'd argue if I could, but I can't, so I won't. But uh, yeah, a lot of this is this is one hundred percent us being us. This is uh, you know we're both for the first time over the last, you know, year and a half, we're not, we're not portraying. This is literally us. A lot of this stuff is conversations with me and me and Chris sitting in the back saying, wouldn't it be funny if, or do you think we have the balls too? And, you know, and a lot of it is, uh, uh, theirs. Oh, you guys won't do this on TV. Oh, there's no way. And a lot of it (laughs) is just us being silly, stupid human beings sitting around and thinking of things or just, you know, something uh, will pop into our head on the road and we'll go, ha, we should do that. And a lot of it is us trying to one-up each other, uh, which, you know, <laughs> happens a lot. You know, Chris is very hard to keep up with. So it's, you know, I got to try to stay one one uh, step ahead of him. And, and it's, uh, it's literally, it's just, it's just us being us just up in the buffoon level a little bit. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's, you know, and I think people, people uh, good, bad, or indifferent, can connect with that a lot more than they could if we were, you know, playing characters. You know, we're definitely guys that aren't out there cutting angry wrestlers screaming promos. And, you know, because I always just thought that was silly. There's a time and place for that. But, you know, we got our stick down, and our stuff is literally just comes from our heads. And uh, all the ideas we have, uh, there's been a couple that we've had to uh, – pump the brakes on and be like, okay, maybe, <laughs> you know, because there are standards and practices and, you know, we are on national television. So there's a couple of times we've had to, okay, maybe not, but more often than not, it's a, it's a go. And it's a, it's just, it's literally a blast. It's, it's just fun. And it's gotten to the point where people expect, you know, they're now expecting, uh, you know, on top of us having great matches, you know, really entertaining segments. And, and I welcome that because I think we can do it better than anyone in the business. By the way, Frankie, I was a big fan of the Zubaz pants and the fanny packs that one week when you and Chris came out. I thought that oh, was yeah. excellent. <laughs> that, that was the uh, that was the inaugural Throwback Thursday, which has uh, kind of become a bad influence staple. You know, we, uh, we like to honor Throwback <laughs> Thursday, and as you saw with the Zubaz and with the um, uh, the uh, homage to William Wallace and the Scots over in Europe. Um, you know, all I can say about that is keep your eyes keep your eyes peeled because you know you just might break out another throw, Throwback Thursday uh, outfit or honor someone else from the past. And uh, yeah, the Zubaz pants were you know that got a great reaction. The Zubaz and the fanny packs and the high tech, you know, honoring the honoring the rotten uh, wardrobe of wrestlers of yorn. So that was that was fun. That was definitely fun. <laughs> 
tremendous stuff. You know, being part of one of, if not the best tag team in the business right now. Um, what What are your future goals now? Do, are you eyeing a, a another singles run? Are you content right now being a tag team wrestler? Uh, uh, what as you look to the future and the future of your career? What What are your goals? As of right now, we both you know we we put aside any goals for the betterment of the team as far as singles wrestlers. Yes, Chris and I both have aspirations and goals to be world champion of this company, and we both will. Because you don't want to be a world champion in pro wrestling, you shouldn't be in it. But right now, we're focused on you know we're we're in full stride as a tag team, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you know, there's we're not going away anytime soon. Uh, we literally have so many more tricks up our sleeves and our <laughs> and so many so many potential. You know, getting back to the pro wrestling aspect of it, so many potential good matchups ahead. So definitely, right now, we're still focused on getting our tag team titles back. You know, we're focused on drinking apple teenies and smoking cigars, <laughs> and we're focused on having entertaining entertaining segments and you know, making making grown men giggle with our antics and making children upset. And it's you know, we're definitely you know, we're just we're on pace to to do all that, and we're gonna continue being the best tag team in the world of the world it, it, it's tremendous stuff and i think it's great you know with impact going out on the road I, I this is you know your team is it's one of the best things going so uh congratulations on the success before we let you go and i can't thank you enough for giving us some time uh, here um I, as i was doing you know and i actually you know doing some research and looking back on uh some of the stories and i i, I read a, an interesting story uh about you and initially meeting Mike Tenay, uh mm-hmm. years ago. Could you tell that story? That actually happened in, um, it was either late 97 or early 98. Um, I had uh, already been saving money and was about to go to Killer Kowalski's school in Massachusetts. Um, and Nitro had come to San Diego. I lived in Southern California at the time, as I do now. Um, and so, and I had found out that there was going to be an autograph signing with Mike Tanay and Ray Mysterio, I think was there and someone else. So I went and I was a cool, you know, I'd like to get a chance to meet. So I went up to Mike Tanay, Mr. Tanay. Hello. How are you? I'm, uh, planning on going, I'm going to Killer Kowalski's wrestling school. Ah, very good choice. You know, he says, let's, you know, you get a great education there. And I said, hopefully someday you'll call one of my matches, you know, not thinking, just naively saying that as a, you know, as a dreamer, a bright-eyed kid. Ah, you know, I hope so. So flash forward to TNA 2003, you know, after a couple of weeks there, and I started to get kind of comfortable with the people around there, and I pulled them aside, and I said, you know, I told him the story. I said, I'm certain you don't remember this, but so I proceeded to tell him, and he absolutely he remembered it. Because also in that conversation, let me go back a little bit, we had also, he had asked where I was from, and I told him, and uh, from the small town of Yucca Valley out here in California. And he uh, actually has ties to Yucca Valley and 29 Palms and the surrounding area. So he knew the area. So we chatted about that a bit. So anyways, when I was talking to him in 2003, he remembered me from that. And, uh, and you know, the rest is history. And we still, him and I still joke about that, to, you know, to this day. That, uh, you know, I said that all those years ago, about 15 years ago at this point. And, you know, Mike Kennedy's Mike, called more of my matches than anyone. So, it's you know it's it's really really a cool moment you know. That's awesome, great story. You know, wish you all the luck uh, for you and the, the entire TNA roster getting out there on the road as the company continues to expand. Uh, look for as as you're giving us the interview. I'm looking forward to how you're going to uh, 
shock and surprise us wrestling fans uh, uh, going forward. Thank you so much for giving us some time, and, and we'd love to have you back on at some time in the future. Anytime, anytime, man. Just you guys let me know. Uh, everyone just keep tuning in to Impact. Definitely tune in this Thursday. Uh, anyone in Chicago, Chris Daniels and I will be at Challengers Thomas from 4 to 6, signing autographs, blowing kisses, making dreams come true. Thanks a lot, Frankie. You take care of yourself. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thank you, Frankie. Yep. Well, there you go. Tremendous interview from one uh, Frankie Kazarian. And be sure to tune in to uh, Impact uh, this coming Thursday, 8 o'clock Spike TV, as they head out on the road. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, Dave, I'm excited to see what Impact can do on the road. Um, You know, it's interesting when you look at TNA and, and conventional wisdom is there's no way, there's no way, you know, they can't compete with the WWE. Um, And then you see them in England. And you see the the lockdown pay-per-view this past Sunday at the Alamo Dome. And, and you see, you know, when they're not in that impact zone, in that, that intimate environment. And, and I'm not saying they're ready to take over. Or, but all of a sudden, they look more like a viable competitor, uh, a, a viable other option in, in at least the same ballpark as the WWE. And... With guys like Kazarian and Bad Influence, and with the turn of Bully Ray, that's really given this Ace and Eight storyline a, you know, life. And great workers like Kurt Angle, like a Jeff Hardy. I'm really excited to see what this company can do out on the road. Oh, me too. I mean, I'm, you know, I'll take you back a few years. I went to see TNA um, Lockdown in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, they had just started doing a couple of pay-per-views here and there on the road. Um, and I remember watching their first pay-per-view on the road. It was Bound for Glory, I believe, um, in Detroit. Um, and you just felt something extra. And then the following year they went to Atlanta. And then later on in the year they were, at, like I said, in Worcester. I mean, and the place was just unglued, you know. They, they, they picked the right markets at certain times to go. When they go on the road, they, their, pay, their pay-per-views, I wouldn't say they're a home run, but like you said, they're, they look like they're a viable contender to the, to the WWE. And it, and being out in front of a different audience gets those performers hyped up, and they want to do crazier things, and they want to go out there and put on the best show they possibly can. And I think being on the road, you know, for 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 impact, and eventually with all the, with the new pay per view schedule, I think you're going to see a, a, a lot better in ring product. I'm not saying that the in ring product currently now is is lacking because it's not, uh, but I think you'll see uh, a, a lot better in ring working. You know, should I say from the from the TNA roster, and you you saw that on Sundays. But I mean, the crowd was hot for the end, even though most people saw it coming. They threw trash in the ring, you know. I yeah, mean, it was, and, it was just, you know, and it had that. It had that Hulk Hogan 1996 heel turn, um, NWO from uh, Bash at the Beach in Daytona. Um, where, where they were just thrown, you know, I mean, Bully Ray wasn't the most loved guy in the company. You know, obviously, we can't compare Bully Ray to Hulk Hogan. That's like apples to oranges. But that audience was pretty hot at the end when they when they started throwing trash into the cage. And, you know, at one point, I think the referee had to, to, uh, to, to kind of shield Jeff Hardy and cover him up because there was so much trash coming in the ring. Um, it made for it made for a hot ending, and definitely, like you said, makes you want to tune into Impact and see what's going to happen uh, this Thursday. And the explanation that Bully Ray is going to give for how he became the president of the Aces and Eights, because you remember, he was he was in a long-standing rivalry with them, and 
there was physical, you know, altercations between them over the past, you know, several months. So hopefully there's a good explanation as to how he became the president and why there was still, you know, a physical involvement between him and his members. Yeah, and you can't, you know, you can't, uh, you know, stress enough, you know, getting out on the road and, like you're saying, better performing. Again, not not downplaying anybody's ability in the ring. However, you know, like, I mean, for example, I, I'm in a couple bands. Uh, when we go out and do a gig, you know, if the crowd is, is hot, you know, we get amped up, you know, our performance, and you kind of wind up feeding off each other. Uh, the crowd is dead. You know, it, it becomes tougher to kind of, you know, you try and bring your A game, but you kind of struggle through that. Um, you know, they're performers, and I'm sure, you know, there were tremendous matches. Don't get, I mean, tremendous matches at the Impact Zone. However, when you get that energy, uh, you know, and you got great workers in that company, uh, I, I'm really looking forward. I mean, I, I think the sky's the limit right now. Uh, the storyline for Ace and Eights is is hot right now. Uh, bad influence is hot. The tag division is hot. Rude and, and Aries are, are great together. Um, I'm just looking forward to it. We, we're actually we're, we're about ten minutes out, so we're going to go right out to the phones and try and get as many as possible. Uh, we are trying so hard here at Ironbound to get all these technical issues all squared away, and hopefully we're we're on our way. So we had an interview scheduled. We're going to try and get things uh, squared away a little quicker next week and make sure we get a. Uh, Get to all you callers. I know we got a full bank of calls, but I'm going to go out right now because we got Tony on the line. Tony is our blogger. Tony, are you there? Oh yeah, I'm here. How are you guys doing? Doing Great, all Doug. right. How are you? Hey Tony. Oh good. Hey Dave, how's it going? All uh, right, give us something quick because we're going to try and get to everyone. Uh, yeah, well, what I mean, do you think of lockdown? I was okay with it. I thought the, I thought the show was good. I love the end. You know, with the um, you know the, the Blue Ray heel turn, you know. I mean, I knew it was coming, but it was it, it was still great, you know. I mean, I you know I I popped for the uh, you know the team three three the Dolphins reuniting, so you know, I, I was I was cool with that, you know. So and and I think you know it's 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 great that the Buffaloes finally uh, you know finally got the single title, the world championship. You know, it's you know it's hoping give them give them a long run with that. Um, because Aaron interviewed with us now, that was really awesome. You know, I enjoy him and Daniels every time they're on too. You know, I'm just like you know. That was a really uh, awesome um, interview you just had with him. Yeah, it's cool because I, I mean, it's it's just it, it's cool to interview a guy like that because I, I really think for him and, and Daniels, I mean, they're 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 peaking. I don't want to say they're peaking, but they're definitely on the rise. You know, this I mean, they are so incredibly entertaining, and they're they're performers that go through a phase where they really become must see TV where you just you won't go and do anything you won't check your Facebook that you're going to stop and watch and see what they're going to do and and right now Kaz and Daniels and it's it's in ring and promos you stop and it was great to have a guy who is 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 reaching that kind of pinnacle to to be on the show with us tonight it, it was just really cool to talk to him and and seems like a really good guy he does yeah it's, uh, it's uh... It was really good, you know. Because even the, the tag match of lockdown, you know, I mean, I was I was hoping they'd win the World Tag Team Champions of the World again. But, <laughs> but yeah. you know, what are you gonna do? Ah. That was I, Tony. We're gonna try and get to the other callers, but thank you so much sure. for those of you who don't know. Tony is the expert blogger, blogs on Raw, uh, SmackDown, and Impact each and every week on the KenReedyShow.com. So be sure to head on over to the website, check out Tony's blogs, and you can also check out archived shows there. And, and we have other blogs up there. So. Uh, Check out thekenreedyshow.com. Tony, thanks a lot, and uh, looking forward to talking to you on Sunday. Yep, you bet. All right, take it easy, man. You do, man.
Yeah, let's stick with the phones. <laughs> I was experimenting before, like Dave, you you dropped for a little bit, and then uh, I was like, yeah, let me see if I can get Mr. Trivia, and uh, kind of going back and forth in and out. But we had Mr. Trivia, are you there? Yes, I am, guys. <laughs> Welcome aboard. How are you? What what uh, what do you have for us tonight? Give us a little bit. Well, you know, like we had, like I said before with you guys uh, earlier on, I am working on that call for you for for this Sunday. Um, just wanted to say, you know, uh, welcome to 1640. Dave, you're sounding great. Ken, you're sounding great. The interview was awesome. Um, they couldn't have got two better guys to do the job. And one quick thing, I'll just uh, make this quick point. I'll hang up because you got other calls going too. Uh, I think the uh, Undertaker, CM Punk um, scenario last night was kind of uh, disrespectful on CM Punk's part, and that's just going to fuel the fire. And I really think the Undertaker is going to, really show him why he is the phenom at WrestleMania. Ken, Dave, I'll talk to you guys on Sunday, and uh, have, uh, enjoy the time over there, and have a great show. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Uh, you know, and it's interesting because we're, we're getting close to the end of the show. Um, I wish you'd use Mr. Trivia as our teaser. We're, we're going to get in-depth on Sunday's show, thekenreadyshow.com. Uh, we got that 6 to 8 o'clock. We're going to go really in-depth. Was... Was The Undertaker and, and CM Punk? Was CM Punk disrespectful? Did you not like it? Should they have just done a straightforward memoriam? Or do you think it's good storytelling? We are going to go in-depth on Sunday. We're just going to tease that. Thanks, Mr. Trivia, for bringing that up. But uh, don't tell them what you think, Dave. We'll we'll talk at length on Sunday about uh, everything that happened. Because uh, it was interesting. It was definitely an interesting take. Uh, not your straightforward memorial. We're definitely going to go very in-depth. Uh, in that on Sunday. We're going to go right back after the calls. I think we got Justin on the line. Justin, are you there? Hi, Ken. Justin, how are you? I miss you, buddy. I miss you, too. What You've been listening to the show? Oh, yeah, love it. What would you think of Kazarian? Oh, he he's, he's super awesome. You thought he was super awesome? Yeah. So what did, what are you uh, looking for? I know you know I'll, I'll switch gears a little bit because I know you're primarily a WWE guy. Um, what are you looking forward to now? Uh, look, going into WrestleMania season, uh, you know we're pretty much signed Punk versus Taker. Uh, you know there's been some confrontations now between Ryback and Mark Henry. It looks like we might get a match between the two of them. Uh, who do you think would win between Ryback and Mark Henry? It'll be, it'll be Mark Henry, I think. Think Mark Henry's going to beat Ryback? Oh, yeah. That's tremendous. You know, Justin, we're we're trying to get through all the phone calls. Today. we got about three minutes left, so I'm going to let you go. But thank you so much for supporting us. We'll have a little more time on Sunday, so be sure to give us a buzz. All right, Ken. All right, take it easy, man. Ken, are you, are, are you an Edge fan? Am I what? Are you an Edge fan? An Edge fan. Yes, I am an Edge fan. I know you're an Edge fan, too. Uh, we all love Edge. I know. All right, you take care of yourself. We'll talk to you Sunday. All right, Ken. Take it easy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, we're going to stick with the phones. I think I think we have uh, – the boycott might be over because I think this might be Mike Ferrara on the line. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Mike, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, guys. How's it going tonight? Doing all right. How are you? We're, uh, we're getting short on time. What do you got for us tonight? Hey, welcome uh, back, by the way. Oh, thank and – I, and I thank you guys for that. And I uh, – what do you call it? Yes, the boycott is over. Um, I just have what I heard today. I heard that TNA is coming to Long Island, Westbury, and I heard the main event for that live show. It's going to be WrestleMania weekend. It's going to be Sting, 
Matt and not Matt Hardy. Listen, and Jeff Hardy <laughs> versus Bully Ray and Devon. So it's going to be Sting and, and uh, Jeff Hardy versus the uh, duo formerly known as 3D. Interesting. And, and what what uh, date is that? Um, it's WrestleMania weekend. I believe it's. Uh, I think it's. Um, it is April fifth. I think it's either the April fifth or April sixth. Something like that. Very cool. Thanks. Thanks for the info. And you go to TNA. Yeah, you know, go to TNA dot com on the live events and stuff. Wow, you're all now. You're all of a sudden you're promoting TNA events. They're gonna have to bring you on the payroll. <laughs> yeah, well, well, hey, you know, you're promoting them. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? If you guys go on my Facebook, you see I promote everybody. I'm an equal opportunist. I I, I believe in you know I I'm not a TNA guy as you guys know, because half of the roster is from WWE. I mean, come on. I mean, just like you know, <laughs> you know, where do you think Nitro got Hulk Hogan from? Gee. But, I mean, but anyway, and by the way, I want to see Hulk Hogan versus Bubba Ray Dudley because, hey, after what he did, and he, and he uh, you know, fooled everybody by, by being the president, I think Hulk Hogan's going to have a, a legitimate beef with him. Hey, you know what? A stranger things have happened. I don't know if, uh, I don't know, I'm a confirmed Hulkamaniac, and Mike, thanks for the call. I'll let you go. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, the last time Hogan was in the ring with Sting, uh, I thought that was tremendous. Uh, I think that's a fitting way for that to be the last time he's in the ring. Uh, and again, I'm a confirmed Hulkamaniac, so, uh, you know, that's how I feel about that. But we're actually, thank you all for, for tuning in, and we're at the last minute. The, the hour goes quick. Um, thank you all. Again, we were trying to get all these technical difficulties squared away. But you know what? Today was better than, than last week, so hopefully we're on our way here at Ironbound Radio. So be sure to check us out next Tuesday right here on Ironbound, and you can always check us out at com, and we have our Facebook page, Ken Reedy Show, oh, facebook.com slash Show, and follow us. Follow us at the Ken Reedy Show on Twitter. Before we get out of here, I uh, gotta wish a uh, friend of the show has been on, Nunzio, or Little Guido, you may know him as. Happy birthday. Uh, today is his birthday, so a happy birthday to him. It's been a great time tonight for Dave I am Ken Reedy. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you to Kazarian. Take care, everybody. Good night.